Hi, I'm Dave, and you're listening to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. Today, I'm talking to Andrew Andrew Burke from Burke Makes Stuff uh, on Instagram. He's a maker and educator in New York City. Uh, he says he likes to make just about everything from metal, woodworking, lasers, pastry craft, costuming. Uh, sounds like it's just about everything. How are you doing? Wonderful, Dave. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. Glad to hear it. Absolutely happy to be here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great to talk yeah. to you. Sure. So usually I like to go back in history and find out what people, like how you how you got started being a creative person. Uh, did you have like a creative family, anybody in your family who was into this kind of stuff or? Not even the littlest bit. Uh, <laughs> my dad, if you think of a college professor, like if you picture, like close your eyes, picture a college professor, that's, that's my dad. Okay. Down to the patches on his... Uh, his corduroy jacket. <laughs> um, dad, uh, he used tools around the house, but I was never really taught to. I was never kind of pulled into that. Okay. Uh, and mom was a mom. I, uh, I grew up with two sisters. They also were very sports oriented when I was definitely not. Okay. Um, the earliest I can remember really like a problem solving creativity thing was uh, a really weird situation when I was like six or seven. Uh, our dishwasher broke. And I just asked the random question, can I take it apart and play with it? And my parents said, hey, it's already broken. Why not? And I fully expected them to say no, because that's the kind of childhood it was at that point. Um, and I took it apart and I figured out what was wrong. It was this one little piece that had come out and it was really obvious to me. And my parents were like, ah, oh, there's no way. There's no way. So I said, look, if it's already broken, can we put it back together and see if it works? And we had it for another like three or four years after that. Um, oh, wow. And that was kind of the start of it, I guess. Okay. That's interesting. Did you have uh, Legos and that kind of stuff when you were a kid? Yeah, I, I still have the actual bucket of Legos that I had wow. when I was a kid. Um, we, I grew up in a household where uh, it was very strict. It was very educational. Um, and we didn't have a lot of extra money. Uh, my dad was a teacher. My mom was a mom. Uh, we had three kids. They had three kids. So we grew up on a teacher salary and we had everything we needed, but not always everything we wanted. Um, so sure. toys were, were few and far between. So that's why in my later life, I now actually collect Legos because, um, <laughs> cause I can, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, I had Lego. I had I a bunch of hot wheels, uh, Lincoln logs, but like old ones that were half broken and stuff. But it was, it sure. was, uh, it was a lot of childhood where it was make your own fun. Okay. And, uh, I remember feeling weird about, or at least awkward about that. Cause I had a lot of friends around me growing up that had the newest, everything from sneakers to video games, to uh, toys and stuff like that. And I remember being in my backyard playing GI Joe's in the ferns, um, just by myself because I didn't want to kind of deal with that <laughs> kind right. of that feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of where it all started, man. It was, um, I guess I'm trying to figure out where the, where the tool, the tools end of it really started. Um, cause I have a definite obsession with, with collecting some tools. Um, and that probably came from my grandfather, my, my mom's dad. Um, uh, my son is actually named after him, grandpa bill. Mm -hmm. um, I have his workbench. Actually, this is it. I did a video on that on YouTube on the yeah. uh, restoration of it. Um, he was the head custodian at Queens college university, Queens college college, whatever it's called, um, right. QC in, um, CUNY for New York. And, there was never a shortage of stuff around to play with at his house and tools to try out. 
and I never knew what I was doing, but I was always welcome at his workbench, always welcome to smash something or break something or take it apart. And that always meant the world. <clears throat> Ooh, the world. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, actually, you're, I, that was one of the projects I saw on YouTube that I, like caught my eye was your uh, restoring your grandfather's workbench. So that's pretty cool that you that one meant so right much there to behind me. you. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's going to be it's, it's going to be with me forever. Yeah. Um, I got Grandpa Bill's workbench. My sister got Grandpa Jerry's workbench, and she restored it um, actually exact same way I did. And now it's uh, a server in her her kitchen or dining okay, room. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, so she figured yeah. out a way to integrate that into her, you know, into her. Even if she doesn't have like necessarily a, a workshop in her garage or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, she's yeah. she's a baker. <laughs> okay, so that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yep. And I have a I have a thing that uh, I made a design. Uh, that baking is making as one of my silly hundred uh, <laughs> percent. I completely agree, man. I was asked that. Um, I don't remember who did the questionnaire up at camp this year. Uh, there was a lot of drinking involved, but <laughs> they, uh, they took me aside and they asked me a bunch of questions. And one of the ones was uh, who can be a maker? And I thought it was such a, an interesting question because I mean, other than being a little pointed, it's to me, I, I don't care what you make. You, you're a maker. Um, everyone right. has some of that in them in some way, uh, no matter how much, disconnection it seems like there is from uh i don't know designing spreadsheets if you're in, in finance or um down to like literally picking up a hammer and, and smashing wood together if you're a carpenter i mean i think it, it exists in all of us somehow yeah exactly i mean that's kind of what this whole show is about is uh totally you know it's about like the curiosity like whatever you're curious about and eager to learn that's you know that's where it all starts and that's that the problem i run into though things. I'm so curious. I have my hands in everything. I um, I have a, check this out. I have a list up there. It's like 50 projects. My next 50 projects that I want to work on, and I'm already starting to collect pieces and bits and bobs for every single one of them. So it's uh, it's awkward because I, I like doing everything. I wasn't I wasn't um, giving the lip service on Instagram or anything. I make everything from wood to to metal to plastic. I have an anvil soaking next to me in 10 gallons of, uh, of evapo rust. Like there's always something going wow. on in here. <laughs> it's cool. And it's, uh, it's one of the next videos I'm working on. It's um, they sent me two five gallon buckets of evapo rust. And I was like, I, I want to dunk my anvil. So there's yeah. a whole, a whole process involved. You guys will see that around. It'll be on uh, Instagram and, and YouTube probably. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah. yeah. That's how I guess I started talking to you. I mean, although I think we were following each other anyway, it was at one of the hammer ins at the Blackthorn. That's right, uh, you man. and your gang of guys from uh, Long Island. You know, rolled the Long together. Island is, you know, yeah. <laughs> we travel thick, man. We roll deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's just interesting because um, there's a bunch of different people that I knew separately. And then you guys are all, you know, it's kind of funny to find everybody meeting up together. At that point, I was still very new to that crew. And uh, it was weird because in the same way that you had, had all those weird connections, I had a lot of weird connections I didn't know about um, with like Mike Mucci and Pat in the area and uh, even Jimmy from from Massapequa originally, like the, the whole area is right where I'm at right here. So the idea of that we're having these conversations with people that I had never met before, and not only are we connecting like as the maker tribe, but we're also connecting as New Yorkers and Long Islanders specifically. Very cool. Right. Yeah, it definitely like leads people to learn a lot about the people around them. Yeah. That's cool. So back when you were a kid, did you have any experiences you can remember from like art class or a uh, shop class that you took in? Yeah, um, I was one of the last. 
one of the last uh, New York schools to still have a junior high school uh, wood shop. That's not was, correct. Uh, well, no, there's, there's, there are a few. Don't get me wrong. No. But at the time, York, this is when I they mean, were canceling them all. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't uh, remember them ever yeah. canceling them. That's interesting. Yeah, there was a there was a push the same way that it comes with the arts every once in a while. They, they push mm-hmm. some of the teachers out just for the sheer fact of budget. Yeah. Um, the metal shops, especially in, long, in like the area of like uh, Bayside mm-hmm. and, and um, uh, I was at 172 at the time, which okay. is in right on like the, the Nassau Queens border. OK. And we had Ted Denton, a man I owe a ton to who I have not heard from nor seen since then. Uh, but he ran the wood shop. And I used okay. to go in early every single morning um, to make. And that was my wow. goal. And after cool. about two or three projects, I was allowed carte blanche of the tools, carte blanche of the wood in the back while everyone else is making little like learning how to make like uh, clothes pins and stuff. Right. I tried to make a uh, to scale human, basically, and tried to figure out all the joints and wood and all that kind of stuff. And I had it for years afterwards on a shelf wow. until one day I was kind of like that can go. Right. Um, but it was him. It was that one teacher who saw my creativity and my curiosity more than anything else mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, yeah, be careful. Realize these things can make you bleed and have fun. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Cause I said, uh, you're probably talking about New York City, right? Yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Right. Dude, most yeah, of the country State still has these things and they should, of yeah, course. Yeah. Right. Um, I wish they'd bring them back to New York City. Yeah. I wonder how, I'll, I'm curious how that relates to the rest of New York State because I know that. Uh, middle school shop uh, class City. is still a requirement for, although oh, it's really I interesting wish. to see wish. the range of what that means, right? Okay. So there's, I, I don't, I haven't read the curriculum, so, cause I'm not that curious about it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> cause that's, you know, but I, I work with a lot of schools and so I see like a lot of the different shop classes and stuff. So it's interesting to see all the different range um, of what they have. You know, some schools have, one school I went to had, like a you know a sixty year old table saw with no guard and next to a Tormach <laughs> mill and uh, oh you know, so. nice good times <laughs> yeah yeah so they had like a bunch of digital fabrication stuff you know they have welding they have you know so and some of this is it's weird because some of the schools are like mixed middle school and high school so it's kind of hard to you know I don't know if yeah, middle school is welding but uh it's just it's really interesting to see yeah oh they right it really could. depends on the I, um, instructor <laughs> yeah a hundred percent. Uh, yeah. So when New York city started cutting all that stuff out, um, there is talk of it being put back in. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm gonna be the first one on the list to be like, I'll go from wherever I am to teach in a shop class. That would be mentally for me coming full circle, because if you knew me when I was a kid, going to school mm-hmm. was not something I was ever happy about. Um, and really for me, it was music and shop. Okay. Um, I was a trombone player for years. I almost became a music teacher. I went to college for it. Um, and I kind of just hit a, hit a different bump in the road and took a different path. But uh, music and shop, Ted Denton, he's the man, wherever he is. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, I see a lot of people who have, you know, music as a related skill to all the other really? stuff they do. Yeah. Interesting. And it goes back to even um, almost everybody I know who's a computer programmer also is either a musician or a photographer wow. or both. It's really interesting. So many people. I never thought about because, the correlation, but there totally could yeah. be one. I mean, there's right, because there's an, an innate creativity to making in music. I mean, no matter what you're doing from you mm-hmm. make a note, you play that note, you're creating it with your style, your timbre. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Now you're going to have me thinking about this the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a yeah. I got to get some more people who are 
more musicians on here to talk about that because I think there is even problem solving in that and oh, a lot absolutely. of different layers. Especially if I was you're a trombone player. Composition. It's yeah. uh, a trombone is is you're just playing a tuning slide. That's that's all it is. So it's all <laughs> about your ear. It's all about fix about though that didn't work right. Okay, how do I do this? And I did that. I mean, I did that for years. That was started with me again in junior high school. Um, the reason I couldn't do shop during school was because I was doing band. So I used to go before school. Um, but Alan Rubin, Alan Rubin, Alan Rubinstein, that was the guy's name, um, took me under his wing. I started trombone, went to Bayside High School for it back when Bayside High School was like the New York City school other than LaGuardia that you went to for music. Um, got to play with some amazing, amazing musicians. Um, played with John Faddis, Herbie Hancock, Justin DeChocho, um, who was the head of MSM uh, jazz program for years. Um, yeah, that was a, a massive part of my life. Went to Queens College for it, uh, got a partial scholarship for that, and just fell out of love with it. But I think there's there's definitely a, a curiosity and a creativity to every single musician I've ever met, uh, even the French horn players. <laughs> <laughs> and that idea that... Um, as a unit when we create, and this I think has a lot to do also with, with that feeling I get up at Maker's Camp that I can't explain. Um, that idea that when you're creating with other people or even around other people, it's a different experience than it is solo. And it's a different experience than it is when it's you in a room with tools. Um, and not that there's a, a more negative or more positive, but it's just different. And there's a, a spark that I definitely get from that. Yeah, I, that I agree totally. If you look at some of the because there's, I guess there's two different ways to look at that. So if, if we just talk about uh, forging, because that's kind of the experience that we both have together, I guess, is um, the, you know, the hammer ends where everybody is working at a forge, but they're not working on the same project. So, but they're still, you know, they're figuring things out together. Most people who go mm -hmm. up there aren't experienced blacksmiths, or they are. They're all different levels, and you know, and they're like, "Hey, did you try this?" You know, there's always, you know, people you know, experimenting and trying to learn new things uh, alongside each other. And, you know, as a, as a group, and then there's a project like the group forge project where we're all working on a giant I'm fire so pit excited. together. I'm so yeah. excited. I was talking to cash about that uh, up, up at the camp. And okay. it's the idea that like these, um, the benches that we're going to make, like, he's like, you right. better be there. I was like, I'm going to be there. I'm absolutely yeah. going to be there. There's it's that, that re-energizing that I always get from Blackthorn. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it was, Yeah doing the group forge project was a unique experience. And it's kind of you hear, if you ever talked to anyone who went to some of the classes at uh, Jimmy Duresta's when he was doing, when he did those there, it's the same exact kind of thing where everybody is working together, you know, and they're all learning together at the same time. And it was okay. great too. I mean, Chris cash was designing the fire pit and learning from us. You know, like, what is this thing going to be based on what we could make? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Come with a, a, a generalized idea and then uh, make it work. That's the best part. Yeah. So it was really exciting, you know, experience and everybody got to, you know, whatever, learn whatever they could learn from it, but still mm -hmm. be part of that group experience. I love projects like that, too, because they offer so many different learning experiences on each of those little like rungs, no matter where you are. If you're brand new. You learn something. If you're brand not new, you learn something. If you're advanced, you're helping. It's it's that idea of always pushing and, and giving back to the community. I really like. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, the same thing for I don't the timber uh, framing. Timberins, yeah, man, totally. Yeah. I don't know if you you didn't go to have you gone to any of those? I didn't or? do any of those yet. Um, yeah. I have absolutely wanted to. It's just never worked out with scheduling. 
Yeah, it's tough. And so I basically, when I see that calendar from the Blackthorn come out, I schedule yep. time off. From, and again, <laughs> it might be a little bit easier for me. I can take off a Friday pretty much any time as long as I have enough warning. Uh, yep. Your situation might be different, uh, but I have enough days. Make work. Yeah. <laughs> I have personal days I can take. But yeah. the first thing I did when I got that list from them was send it to my wife. I was like, sweetie, I need, I need these clears, cleared, please, all these dates. <laughs> right. Yeah, so right now I think they're just talking about the ones that are at the indoor projects that they're doing. Correct. For this yeah. year. Yeah. So those are going to be pretty exciting to see them expand their capabilities. So. Oh, wonderful, man. Yeah, going from all I knew of it was the, the blacksmithing and then going to the timber and stuff, which I'm really excited to actually get involved with. I think we're doing what epoxy and leather also this year, which are two things I so want to learn about. Yes, I got a yeah. uh, a huge bin, like I'm gonna say like two and a half feet by like two feet bin of leather scrap and leather huge pieces, and it was just tons of cutoffs from uh, from a factory that were like using them for something. And I have all different colors and thicknesses, and and I use some of it for stropping knives and stuff like that. But I mean, sure. there's just tons that I have no idea where to put and play with, so I can't wait. That's cool. Yeah. So you haven't, have you, you haven't tried uh, to experiment with leather yet? I did leather. I'm talking, I'm 40 this year. So I'm talking 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, Boy Scout camp, man. <laughs> Boy Scout, right. Like, okay, guys, soak the, the leather. Now hit it with the stuff. And the th- that, that's all I know. Um, okay. I couldn't even sew a straight line, but <laughs> luckily things have changed in, uh, in 30 years since. Right. Uh, so, no, I haven't really played with it. Um, what's the most I've done with leather in the shop? I replaced a handle on something and I wrapped it in leather. I use it for my strop. I'm going to be redoing uh, an old hatchet, um, kind of the Jimmy style that I, I learned from Jimmy DeResta on his, his mm-hmm. video where you're cutting the different rings and you stack the rings. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be doing that in the next little while. Um, that's cool. That's, that's about it. I just, I have, okay. it's another thing I want to learn. So I have the stuff for it and I just haven't played with it yet. Okay. Is there anything on your list of 50 projects that involves leather? Oh my goodness. On well, leather. Maybe the... <laughs> uh, the, the knife, the, uh, the hatchet is up there. Let me see. We got uh, a plant stand that actually uh, Lindsay doesn't know is awesome and, and actually was uh, brought in my head by her um, okay. from over at um, Woodbrain. A light pole. Uh, French cleats for my wall. That's cheese, but uh, concrete planters. I got so much stuff on here, man. Any okay. leather? Well, uh, yeah, right here. I have the hatchet, but other the than hatchet, the hatchet, yeah. okay, <laughs> that's about it. Right, and so maybe that's it. This leather's just waiting for you to come up with an idea, and maybe taking the class will, you know, spark, spark that. that? Absolutely, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I um. There's something about Blackthorn. It's it's becoming like this this homey feeling when I drive in, and it's it's very nice. Um, my wife and I are even talking about getting a second house up in that area um, because we love that it so much. That seems so. popular. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, prices doable. went up a lot. You missed it yep. if you the window. <laughs> yes. in 2019. Yeah, it would have been <laughs> yeah, easier. Yeah. Just around that COVID mark was beautiful, yeah. but now it's uh, still very doable. Right. Oh yeah, for that's cool. Um, that's great. I need more people to buy houses up there so I can visit them. Yes, I'm only absolutely. an hour away and I don't know if I have the capability or will be able to make that work to move there. <laughs> but well, my wife and I fell in love with it differently because of basically yeah. that. Um, we have friends who I taught their twins my first year teaching 14 years back and we became mm-hmm. fast friends and we've been very close ever since. And their whole family, like there's six or seven different houses, but they own an entire side of a mountain up there. 
Oh, cool. Um, wow. So when we went up to visit, my wife was like, this is what I think of like when I think of home and like, this is, this would be awesome. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And myself in Blackthorn, of course. Um, but I've known that area up there for a long time. So okay. being up there and, and spending time and really feeling the area, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, right. It's nice. It, it feels right. As opposed to when I come back to the city, it's a, it used to feel right here. It doesn't so much anymore. Okay. Yeah. I, I like to visit it, but yeah, I don't, I haven't ever <laughs> there lived there, so I can't compare it to that. So that's interesting. You, in talking about leatherworking gave me an idea for another class and okay. maybe I'll, I'll have to talk to Jimmy and Austin, see if, if they're up for it. But uh, Jimmy makes those like leather bound books mm-hmm. and like a book making class would probably be fun. I would do that in a heartbeat. One yeah. of my uh, obsessions that I don't ever speak about is collecting blank books. Okay. I've been made fun of it by my wife many times and my sisters many times. I have stacks of leather bound blank books that I have never written in, nor will I because I collect, I collect them. I know it's weird, uh, yeah. but I have dozens, dozens and dozens. I'd love to make one. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's, I vote yes. It, I'll be there. It's fun. Okay. I will. Uh, I'll have to. Have you ever uh, done that before? Yeah, I've made two. Um, so That's I did two more one. than me, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I made one just like I made a, like a notebook, like I sewed the signatures for that and I never put a cover on it cuz I could didn't know how to do that. Okay. And this was I don't know. I wonder how I even learned that. I think it was before YouTube. Um <laughs> that <laughs> then there is it. a story. <laughs> you know, cuz I used to, you know, I'd buy like the moleskin books and stuff and I'm like, I can make one of these. This looks pretty easy. <laughs> so, and it is I mean, stitching the signatures together is not hard and to make it look mediocre is not hard at all. Um, you know, to make it look amazing is difficult, but that's the same as <laughs> most practice, other skills, practice, practice. but yeah. So, but I made a leather book for the fools with tools, treasure trade in okay. 2020, maybe I'll have to look. Um, and then I made one for the maker camp maker swap last year. Awesome. Um, and so that was fun to, and basically I got the idea from Morley Kurt. He would 3d print a design for a stamp mm-hmm. to put sure. it into the cover. And so I use that, you know, because that's nice. a way to, you know, customize, you know, the, the book. And then again, the leather is just the easy way to do that. There's lots mm-hmm. of you can actually do that with a lot of other materials, too. Um, if you ever watch uh, Nerd Forge, have you ever seen that? I don't YouTube know Nerd Forge. I must take okay. notes. Nerd Forge. Uh, she makes a lot of custom books. And there was one that, yeah, that had like a whole bunch of different layers. Um, that were built up to, draw, to build the design that was then covered up with material and stuff. It was really cool. It's awesome. Um, I'm sure it was beautiful. Yeah. And I think yeah, Brett I love made, that, man. made one like that too. Okay. Like a, a custom book. I'll have to look that one up. I feel I like there was, about a year ago, there was a wave of, of leather work on YouTube that I was very like, oh, that's awesome. But that was just as I yep. was getting into all the metal stuff. So <laughs> picking up two things at once is difficult. Right. Yeah, but that's what we do anyway. It's <laughs> true. Like, Look around right. the shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've, I haven't got too far into metalworking just because I haven't gotten any of the tools or space really to do that yet. So I have to figure that out. I went the other way because it's illogical. Um, I got a bunch of tools and I have a forge that's still waiting to get cemented. Okay. Um, 
it's a, it's the idea of, again, the house and where we're going and we're staying. It was just in that moment of like, are we here? Are we going to live here forever? We've been here for five years. Are we going to jump? Right. Um, and I had the okay for my wife to, to put an overhang off of the shed that we have in the back and have right. my own little smithy out there. And uh, then all the start pieces started going away. We're a little more gelatinous than solid. So mm-hmm. it didn't happen. I wish it did. Jeez. But we'll, uh, when Kevin we get the house upstate, that's definitely going to happen. For sure. Yeah. So that's why I'm th- trying to figure out like what, because most of my tools are in the basement. So that's okay. not a great spot for a metal <laughs> shop, especially if you're doing yeah, no. for, I mean, you could probably, you can do some stuff. You can have like a lathe and a mill and stuff and do that type of stuff. Well, where are you? Where are you? I am near Where's Albany. Home? So I'm like Up, okay. 10 minutes east of Albany. Okay. Um, do you have like an outside? I mean, that's probably oh, the yeah. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to figure out how that would work. Yeah. I yeah, have like a barn that's, Oh, uh, that needs beautiful. to be fixed, but okay. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to move a lot of stuff into there and ah, fix it awesome. up. But so it's like <laughs> the the number of ideas exceeds the capacity of this building <laughs> oh, already. Man. Yeah, uh, that's when you get the timber framers to come up. You know, we're gonna have a timber in uh, up at your place, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll probably end up building if I you know if it doesn't fall down, building like a lean to you know on it to extend awesome. it. And so hopefully see what happens that's uh coming this spring yeah we'll see i've been it's been saying that for a while but it's getting <laughs> close to winter so it probably is going to be in spring if it's any time <laughs> because once yeah once you get snow on there it's not gone yep it's not fun to do woodwork or build a building you know at least as an amateur if you're a professional you know you can do it <laughs> you, do it, you can do it because you're getting paid if you're not if you're a professional but as an amateur yeah that's a hard right. one yeah for sure Cool. So that's interesting. So you went to school for music and music education specifically? Uh, well, you know, man, I, <laughs> I've heard a lot of 40 year olds say this, so I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it, but I still don't want to, I don't, still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Oh, sure. Um, I've been teaching for 14 years. I've been teaching theater. I went to school for theater. And then before that went for music, um, I lived most of my early childhood in music, uh, as an instrumental player or as, a, um, uh, a singer in when I was in first grade, I was scouted from uh, my school for the New York City Children's Opera Choir out of Lincoln Center. Um, wow! So that fancy. was a yeah. It, it, it lasted a very short time. Uh, <laughs> life had other options at that point, uh, but that was when I was like I said, first grade. So that was six, seven years old, um, and I'd been a musician in some form ever since, from piano to trombone to whatever I can pick up to play. Um, yeah, so I kind of brought that with me to theater. Uh, I did all the musical stuff at my school. When I first got there, we were producing musicals before um, the budget was cut and then before COVID, obviously. Uh, But then I was doing the music and the the choreography was done by our dance person and uh, all that comes kind of into play. But it it all came out of, I don't know exactly what, but it definitely came out of my childhood somewhere. Um, It all kind of just gelled. You were asking me that before we even had this, before we had this set up, this the idea of like, okay, think about your growing up and where the craziness came from, the weirdness, the, the creativity, the beauty, all of that. And I, I can't, I can't put a pin on it. Most things I can in my life, I can say that person, that situation, that instance, but the creativity, the, the problem solving also, that's where I like, that's where my brain gets the energy back and, and, and feeds off of it. It's not just the making, um, even in video games, like the video games I love are the ones where you have to problem solve and solve puzzles and figure things out. Um, take things apart to put them back together. Um, I've also found a new love for for doing just that with tools. Um, I'm in the middle of restoring my first vice ever. Um, okay. 
when I saw Lucas do it, I was like, yo, those things are amazing and I want to try. So I picked one up from um, actually Luke's, Luke. I don't know Luke's last name. Is it Smith? Luke Smith? Yeah, probably. Yeah, P.O. Smith. Yeah, Luke and Smith. Smith yeah. um, he, when they moved, he gave me this one and I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun project. So I've been uh, making pieces for it and uh, ordering what I can and trying to really reuse what I can find. And it's it's a it's a huge problem that you just kind of have to figure out as you go along. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so I did, prattle sometimes. No, no, <laughs> no. When I'm drinking. I like to, I'm just trying to synthesize all this and <laughs> come with a, a cool follow-up question, uh, you know, <laughs> like a professional uh, podcaster. Um, sure. So you, you ended up in theater and I guess your musical theater also, not just drama, right? Correct. Um, how did you do any of that when you were in school or, you know, yeah, as a kid? Um, when I was young, <laughs> when I was young, this won't surprise you. Um, my teacher said, hey, you have a big mouth. Get on stage. We're going to do a show. That was how <laughs> my first thing ever on. It was Miss Hobbs. She was my third grade teacher. And we did some like Beatles tribute thing. And it was fun. Uh, but that was one of the first times on stage. And after that, um, I loved attention. I still do love attention. I, I know we're not supposed to say that in this time and age, but like, I like attention. I like positive attention. And mm -hmm. uh, when I'm on stage, I seem to get it. Or what okay. I did back when I was doing that. And then right. uh, I went to high school. I was doing all the high school shows. Went to college, uh, again, for music, but kind of fell in love with the theater there. Did a bunch of shows through that. Um, and kind of had to pick a direction for the rest of life to kind of go in. And I already knew I love education. I've always wanted to work with kids. And then theater kind of just fit. So I graduated with a uh, degree. Actually, I graduated with a double major and a quad minor because, again, I'm that weird guy. Uh, but theater <laughs> was one of them. And then I got my uh, master's degree at Malloy, which is uh, a college out in Long Island for secondary education, English with a, sh a created focus in Shakespearean text, because, again, nuts. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, ended up just kind of by chance. Um, in terms of the time of New York State and how education was going, uh, I was in the first class that ever took the licensing, the official licensing to be a theater teacher. Okay. Uh, and I, I passed. So I was one of the first theater teachers legally that was actually a theater teacher uh, in New York State for a long time before it had been English teachers who were doing some theater in school. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, I got involved in all sorts of wonderful things, uh, mainly through Peter Avery, who's the head of theater for uh, New York City. Um, I get involved in a curriculum mapping project, which made uh, the blueprint that we use for all the arts uh, usable in the classroom. Um, got involved in helping facilitate and lead the theater PDs for all New York City school teachers, uh, for theater teachers. All I think there's like 600 of them. Um, we just wow. had one last week. It was 217 people, a bunch of different sessions, um, all teaching and trying to kind of create that tribe thing that we get from the maker community that I still haven't fully found in teaching by any means, but you try to try to be that for people, you know, mm -hmm. there you go. That's kind of where it, where it took me from and where it took me to. Okay. That's interesting. 14 that, years in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It reminds me. Um, I just saw someone, there was a, I don't know what it was. A, I guess it was a printmaking conference and okay. someone who was, I think a high school teacher, went to the conference and they said, this is the first place I've ever met other teachers who do printmaking. And uh, so that was, and I mean, Love again, it. this is, so that was, that's super cool. And again, it's the same kind of thing you're talking about, right? So you're like, how do you, how do you build this community of people who, you know, and I, I guess it's a little easier if you have like such a large school system. 
Oh, right? absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it's one email. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because the rest of New York State is like, you know, if you have a drama teacher in a school district, you have one because yep. uh, I completely each, understand. They're, they're so separated. Um, we uh, we meet together three times a year as theater teachers, but the rest of the year, it's one person. If you're lucky, if you're at like a specialized high school or something, you might mm-hmm. have two or three theater teachers doing something in, as a conglomeration. But otherwise, it's one teacher as their one department. That's them in a building with kids if they're lucky. <laughs> teaching just theater if they're lucky sure sure um do you guys have a lot of opportunities to interact with the other uh i don't know what you call them departments the other parts of the school like do you are you able to like try to weave that into your art education absolutely um i think that's really a huge piece of it um when i was teaching in junior high school I, this year i'm teaching elementary school because of a, a huge shift in um basically budget at my old school um, but we'll, that'll be changing. <laughs> but, uh, when I was in junior high school, absolutely. Uh, we used to meet with the, uh, program teachers and the social studies, science, English, um, math, et cetera, and see what exactly we could do. Uh, very often we'd work things like social studies into what we're doing, whether they were working on mythology or they were working through, uh, let's stick with ancient Greece. We would learn that end of it from theater. I mean, cause that's where it all began in ancient Greece. Um, so the history right. of, uh, mask work, things like that always, always play a part, uh, and reinforcing, how do I put this carefully, reinforcing some subjects that kids might not be so into with one that they are into, just make sure that they get that piece of information that they might not otherwise, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, I wasn't into any subjects in my school, except <laughs> for probably, yeah, art and the middle school shop class. So those are the things I, I remember. Um, yeah, I really remember very few other things that happened except the times yeah. when the teachers, uh, had to wake me up. I remember like, I think three different times. I had times plenty of those, teachers, man. Like, picked on <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> I fell asleep, uh, in class. Cause Hey, it just wasn't that interesting. Um, but like, that's so accurate, man. Like if you're not, yeah. when I look back, I don't remember the teachers that I had because the teachers that I just had, they were a waste. They, they taught me some little information, but they didn't affect life. The ones that I remember are the ones who changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a teacher, John Walsh, that I'll never forget in junior high school. And I only had him for one year. He was a science teacher. And he devised this entire clue game, but it was all science-based. Okay. And what it basically turned down was uh, there was a, a make-believe murder in the building. And the person who did, committed the murder left an, a murder note um, to explain why. And so we had to figure out as quote unquote scientists at the time, a way to figure out who this person was from their writing. So a lot of people went with writing, handwriting samples and forensics and stuff like that. And the group that I was with used water to figure out what type of pen it was. And it just happened that that was the right answer for what we were trying to do. And when it was written on a, a paper towel, so if you soak the bottom of the paper towel, as the water comes up, it, re- it shows you the different color pattern of that black marker that was used. And I know this right. is crazy, yeah. but that I'll never forget that. And how long ago was that? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like a two-week thing that we did. And uh, it was one teacher really committing time and effort and thought to making something awesome for kids. And that that's the thing I remember all this time later, not how to conjugate a verb, like all that kind of stuff. It, it, that's sure. just not it. Um, no. It was my music teacher. It was Ted Denton in the woodshop. It was John Walsh. It was Kenneth Smirk, who was the first guy who introduced me to Shakespeare in high school and made it actually not suck. 
<laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, things like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I do not remember any of the shop teachers' names, which is disappointing. Okay. Uh, did, but, did they affect you, or did you? Or did um, the tools you know what's interesting? You, is the biggest one. Uh, not really. It's kind of you know because sort of in a way, but it's they never connected it to anything outside of that room, right? Okay. But no worries, yeah, bro. so right, I you know, so we had a a huge industrial bandsaw. They still have it in the same middle school where I went to school. Um, my kids used it, um, <laughs> but so, and I remember that that was a really cool machine. And we did a bunch of we did. They had an injection molding machine, so you could make like you know little cool. pocket screwdrivers and stuff. So yeah, yeah, we'd make like hundreds of these things, and um, you know, and we did. I'm pretty sure it was polyester resin. So it was like, you okay. know, like they had molds and you could, I'm sure it was super toxic. <laughs> yeah, this is back in the Shh, That's uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Probably the early 80s. Not in the lead paint yeah. they serve for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, right. No, yeah. But it was, and it was, I definitely really enjoyed that class. And it's the same thing with art class. I got more out of art class, I think, than the teachers put into it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's I never. the mark of a good teacher, man. That's awesome. Right. Even if no, no, they were terrible teachers. Um, they were <laughs> they were highly mediocre. Um, Never mind. <laughs> but I retract that um, statement. <laughs> yeah, I had good teachers in in college, but not in and and I did. I did have good teachers, but I don't. I wasn't inspired or really pushed or anything by any of the art teachers or anything. Where'd you go to college? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know to, you that well, so I'm going to ask you questions. No, no, no. So I went to <laughs> well, I went to community college for business, and cool. so that was a complete waste of time. And then I went to a two-year school at night for graphic design in Albany. It's the Sage College. Okay. Um, and I never used – I did use the stuff I learned there, but I never got, like, a job as a graphic designer or anything like that. Um, because basically a lot of the jobs for graphic design were, you know, barely a minimum wage, and it wasn't mm -hmm. really, you know, worth trying to, like, remake a career, you know, at, at least – from what I knew at that time, you know, so this was, you know, but I just, yeah. So, but anyway, the whole concept of the bandsaw is that that took like whatever. And I was like 11 until I was whatever, I don't know, 46 or something uh, <laughs> um, to see Jimmy DeResta using a bandsaw on YouTube. And then I was like, Oh yeah, you can just get a bandsaw. Like they make, you know, you can have, one. <laughs> you know, I never thought about, um, you know, really getting any tools except for, you know, I had like a drill and a, you know, circular saw and stuff to the needed stuff. Yeah, like totally. Stuff around your house. Um, but never turned anything into, you know, like making anything as, you know, just a hobby, you know, besides just, you know, fixing stuff around the house or building a deck or, you know, whatever. So you had so. those two connections from over like 36, 37 years just yeah. click. Yep. Awesome. Right. And when my son was in that class, uh, whatever, however long ago that was for him, uh, <laughs> 10 or 12 years ago, he, um, like they didn't let most of the kids use the bandsaw, I guess, but he showed like, you know, that he wasn't going to mess around and get in mm -hmm. trouble. So he was like the only kid in his class who could use the bandsaw. So I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Crowd pop a moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, but yeah, so it's just, now I forgot what my point was, but it's just the whole idea of, figuring out how to, you know, associate those things back into the rest of your life. Right. So you take a shop class or you take an art class 
and you do stuff during class and then that's it. You never take that anywhere. You don't associate it with anything outside of that space. So that's, you know, I'm sorry that those are the teachers you had, bro. That, that hurts yeah. my soul. Um, one right. of the first questions I ask myself when I'm designing a new unit is how do I bring it back to their real lives? Cause if I'm not mm -hmm. doing that, what's, what's the point I've gotten yelled at by parents for, for saying things like, I don't want to make your kid into an actor because that's a waste of their time. And they don't get that because it's not about making a little actor or actress. It's about right. the concept of making a good communicator. And if I can mm -hmm. do that, then you can do whatever you want. You can take that anywhere you want to go. I tell the kids all the time when if you are um, if you're flying on your own private jet to the other side of the world to close a billion dollar deal or you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, you still need to communicate clearly and well in order to get yourself to go anywhere else. Sure. Um, it's got to be it's got to be tied back to real life. Otherwise, that that makes school a waste of time. Right. And it's the same thing. Basically, what we see or at least I do when I talk to people on this show, because that's what it's about, is, um, <laughs> is uh, you know, is connecting all these different things together because that's how, you know, and again, maybe it's because, maybe I need to talk to some people who are, well, I would talk to uh, like one person who's in their 20s, but yeah, if I talk to everybody <laughs> in work. their 40s and 50s, I'm going to get a different perspective. <laughs> but, 100%. Yeah, so, you know, you tie together all those experiences you have and that, you know, is, creates your creative perspective on the world and, Basically, learning, all of it's learning how to pay attention, right? That's how you learn how to draw is pay attention. And I'm sure yep. the way you're talking about communicating and that you're paying attention to, you know, I have to think, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but it maybe because I, I didn't do theater. I don't know how to communicate. <laughs> A lot of it learning. is paying attention to other people and the way they're communicating exactly. to communicate yeah. back uh, mm -hmm. non-verbally, verbally. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, so it's it's the same thing. It's like once you do that in, you know, if you're, you know, working on a play, you learn to pay that attention. It, you have that for the rest of your life. It doesn't yeah. go away and it affects the way you interact with the world. Absolutely. Um, it's riding a bike. It's like one of those things that you might not ever be good at it, but once you've learned it, you can't unlearn it. Right. So. So that's, you know, those are the kind of experiences that I think are important to give people is to see the world. And again, same thing like with the shop class, see the world as something that you can affect and change. You know, you can, mm -hmm. you know, if you need a thing or you want the thing and you don't have it, you can make it. Um, make the thing. Yep. Yeah. You know. And again, maybe, and so maybe that, maybe you build a bookshelf or a coffee table, or maybe you invent a new tool or whatever, you know, depends on how, you know. It can be what you need at the things. moment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Creat it's always awesome to see where creativity leads a mind. Mm -hmm. um, we did. Sorry to bring it back to education. That's just so much like that's my brain. No, nope, um, that's why I got you here. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when I was doing junior high school, we for the last six years did a program with our eighth graders uh, called the World of Seven Billion, and it hasn't been accurate for a long time because there's been more than seven billion people on the planet for many of those years. Uh, but that was just the name of the organization. And it was a concept. It's still, it's still going out. It's a worldwide competition in which students have to do research on um, one specific that they choose out of a generalized pot of ideas. There's three each year. Uh, and then create a one-minute video. It can't be 61 seconds. After 60 seconds, you're chopped out of the running. Um, but 61 seconds to introduce the problem, how it's directly affected by population growth, and how to solve it in 30 seconds. 
and seeing as many classes as we've done that with, because there's usually three to four eighth grade classes a year. We've done it for six, seven years now. Uh, seeing all the different ways they attack problems and how that has shifted from generation like me, generation them, our attack ideas versus they're talking of, of uh, computer uh, computers to help with the idea and the app that can then make this all happen to get these pieces to work to get things that I never would have thought of. Right. Um, but I love that concept of using the creativity to do the problem solving um, from the sp- standpoint of curiosity. I know they all work together and that's why mm-hmm. you do the, the, the podcast, but um, <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful thing to see, to see that growth. That's great. I'm glad to see that that kind of stuff's happening because obviously I don't go to high school anymore or middle school. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening there. And it's great to, to you know, un- see that people are, you know, making those things happen and trying to build those connections. Trying, trying to make yeah. it a better world every day, every day. That's cool. Yeah. So this is, I think I have four people in a row who are teachers or have awesome. done teaching. Um, nice. I just talked to uh, Brooke and Michael at Makers Workshop. Yeah. And so Brooke has done a lot of teaching and, you know, connecting uh, the makerspace and art and, you know, that kind of stuff into her, into teaching. So into, you know, science and math. So that's cool. Um, Wonderful. I got you. Um, I'm talking to uh, Luke and Priscilla Smith. Yeah. Um, I think next week. And then uh, Andy Pugh. Do you know Andy Pugh? I definitely know the name. Um, yeah. He's like from England. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like okay, one of the I'm most sure. prolific uh, <laughs> uh, people in the maker community from England. And uh, <laughs> so. Well, there's like three and, of them, right? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Oh, no, there's no, no, no. I meant from England. <laughs> Never mind. It was yeah, a, yeah. a bad attempt. At <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wasn't paying attention. But yeah, he's and he was a science teacher, so he has a you know really great perspective on things. So, you know, it just and I really do appreciate, you know, like looking at this kind of stuff from that angle. There's so many angles to look at it from. Um, I sure. wish there were more that we could delineate and, and go into um, that concept of curiosity. I mean, uh, perfect example. My son is nine um, and he is a little video game obsessed right now, as I'm sure many nine-year-olds are. (laughs) Um, So we're trying to not do, how do we put it? Not do the the parent thing, which is, no, 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 you can't do that. No, don't get involved in that. No, it's going to eat your brain. No, Mm -hmm. it's going to rot your brain. Don't do it. And go, okay, so how can you control it? How can you make it work? How can you make that? How can you boil it down, learn Mm -hmm. the pieces? He's already taken coding classes. Um, Okay. And really get involved in, if you love that space, if that's where your heart lies, if that's where your brain goes, make your living there. Um, Use your creativity, use your ingenuity there. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's a good way to look at it. Because you can look at game in, I don't know what games he plays, but, uh, you know, Minecraft is a huge. He's playing it right, literally right now. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) And I mean, that's, you can, again, there's a million different ways you can play that, but there's a huge amount of, you know, problem solving and oh, yeah. creativity and making in that. Like my yes. playing Minecraft is making, um, you know, we do also want um, people to do things in the physical world and, you know, move a little bit of their body, <laughs> especially. Of course. Uh, oh, um, absolutely. That's but, that's so big. I have that talk with parents all the time. The concept of like where that line is, because mm-hmm. parents come to me for advice like I'm there. I'm the parent. It's very weird. Um, but that that, yeah. I, that idea of that conversation of no, no no I get that your kid likes video games there's nothing wrong with that 
but they're sitting on the couch 24 hours a day. There is something wrong with that and where that yeah. line is and mm-hmm. get up and get out. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we're still trying to figure that out now. You're like, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> especially as, as the regular life becomes more and more digi- digitalized. Right. Where do we go with that? Where do we take that? Um, yeah. I'm really excited. There's a bunch of products coming out in the next few years that, or, or even that started on Kickstarter recently. Uh, it's a product called Omni and it's an omnidirectional treadmill. Um, okay. there, check out the videos on YouTube about it. It is absolutely insane. Uh, imagine putting on a virtual reality helmet so that you're in a video game, but in order right. to move in the game, you have to actually move in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one step closer to, uh, what's the thing they have in Star Trek? Holodecks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, by the way, are not that far once we have this thing in play. Once we have mm-hmm. televisions already that are big enough with a big enough pixelation to do that um, yeah. for a wall. If you just cover walls in it, you put that in the middle right, of the and room. And then you put the thing in the it. floor. Yeah. So, like, I'm ready for that. I'm so excited for that. That sounds cool. Yeah, I want to check that out. Have you done like any virtual reality uh, experience? Do you have any that stuff yeah, at home? Uh, we ha- we're big on video games here. Okay. Um, we have PS4, PS5, three switches mm-hmm. uh, and right. a VR uh, headset um okay the oculus quest 2 i think it's called cool um that was one of those life-changing moments for me when i got into vr um i've always liked video games like i said when i was a kid we really didn't have money for that kind of stuff um but as i got older because i can't afford it i got very into all that kind of stuff um and putting a virtual reality helmet on and being actually in an environment as opposed to looking at an environment through a screen Mm -hmm. is is if you're into video games, it's it's a huge, it's not the pardon the pun, it's a huge game changer. Um, right. It's it's now immersion as opposed to kind of dipping your toes in that pool. Um, right. And I have I have no doubt that it's the future of, of all gaming. There's no, it, it just it's it's so obvious to me. Um, what what you can get from that is such a different experience uh, mentally, like physically, auditorially, everything. Um, that I'm excited sure. for it. Yeah, my next house will have a dedicated room. (laughs) That's cool. All right. I'm definitely going to have to visit. Um, Yeah, I remember back in like the late 80s and stuff where they first started to think about virtual reality. So then you were pretty much doing like 3D graphics on your computer Mm -hmm. um, and they had give you 3D glasses. And, you know, and it was just interesting to see like, you know, they were already thinking of all the potential. Yep. And then, you know, what, 35 years later, it's it's there. You know, there's it's always cool to see the growth of an idea like that. Oh, yeah. It's and it's yeah. then we got to get into the intellectual side of this whole thing. Uh, this is mm-hmm. again, this is an eighth grade conversation I have with my kids when we get to the point because video games and theater are very connected with voice acting and stuff like that. We used to do things like that in class with puppetry and stuff and introduce them to the concepts. Uh, but the idea of when a computer and, and a television screen can produce an image that is equivalent to what your eye can see without them there, how do you know you're no longer in reality or you are in reality? How are we going to play that out? And right. that's one of those conversations that can melt your head at any age. Um, yeah. Where yeah, are we going? Really fun to talk to kids. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because it's weird the stuff that they come up with and then the stuff that mm-hmm. they have no concept of. It's it's very right. <laughs> it's a very interesting convo always. Yeah. Um, sure. And then stuff like Ready Player One. I don't know if you saw the movie oh, of or course. that book or anything. Uh, you got to yeah. read the book. The movie was tolerable. Yeah. The book was 10 times better as it usually is. Yeah. Um, I read that book twice. The first time through just for enjoyment. And the second time through, I literally had a laptop out with me 
and I looked up every 80s reference they made, um, whether it was oh. music and I played it in the background or a person or a TV show. Yeah, it was very cool. Loved it. I thought it was a little heavy handed with all the references because the first like oh, pages was like I'm, I was born constantly. in 82. So I was all yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually like, yeah, I was because I'm whatever. I'm 10 years old, 11 years older than you. So I experienced all that stuff. So it's kind of obvious to me. But um, so maybe I'll check the book out again. <laughs> I didn't. I loved get it. Through it. It's one of those. Usually I'll, I'll read a book. I'll put it on my shelf. This is one of the few books I handed off to somebody else. And I said, you need to read this. You need That's to read cool. this now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to maybe I'll have to, you know, check it out again. Uh, but I definitely think, yeah, the book is might be more than the movie. Um, but yeah, I did a virtual reality experience at uh, Mass Mocha, the okay. um, Museum of Contemporary Art there. Mm-hmm. And they had a couple of different they had a couple of different ones. I only did one. Um, and that was super cool. It was just it was so weird and <laughs> Um, cause again, this is obviously, this is like an art installation. So right. was this interactive or was this just immersive? Um, I'm trying to think, or yes, there was some <laughs> inter, there was some interaction, but mostly, yeah, you were experiencing what was there, but you could like fly around and, you know, control some of the stuff that was there. Very so cool. It was, yeah, it was super interesting. And I was, it, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it or even thought about doing any kind of VR stuff if I hadn't just been, you know, at the museum. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> that available. So it's really cool, you know, to see that because yeah, it definitely changed like how I think about that stuff. Which yeah, is it's, definitely it's, uh, it's hard to not be changed by stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. um so my my father was one of the first um computer teachers in New York State. Okay. And I remember being little and getting a computer and sure. for the house and playing games like Sticky Bear, which was like one of the first educational games ever made. It was super cute but it was it was great especially for my age and then when internet came we were one of the first houses to get the internet in our area and that idea of typing an address and hitting enter and then walking away and coming back 10 minutes later and hoping it loaded kind of thing mm-hmm. um i forgot where i was going with this completely but yeah that happened okay well <laughs> your, yeah, your was... father was one of the first computer teachers but just so you're saying that that experience did that change your perspective oh yeah of... oh yeah absolutely um pre computers being what they were and what they are mm-hmm. it was it was an idea that one person had but the rest of the people didn't have it right. um, just like vr like we're we're so into video games on a screen now somebody came up with the idea and then what i guess it was facebook when it was still facebook they put out oculus um and that kind of was the first consumer grade for the most part um, right. gettable, attainable mm-hmm. uh, VR headset. And that's already creating spurs of new video game genres, let alone um, uh, uh, technologies that are still coming out and still being created. And to yeah. watch... <laughs> sorry, another weird background story. So Go my grandmother it. turns 100 this year. 99 this year? 100 this year. Uh, we call her GZ, Grandma Zena. And uh, when I was a little bit younger, I went to her and I was like, I don't... I don't get it. And I need your help to understand it because you've seen everything. She goes, okay. And I was like, you were born. There wasn't electricity in homes yet regularly. She goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, they didn't really have indoor plumbing. She goes, no, my first house had an outhouse. Her first apartment in the U.S. had, had an outhouse. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I was like, but now we can hold the knowledge of civilization on an iPhone in the palm of our hands. Like, how how do you like justify that? How do you rectify that? How does that make any sense? And she goes, oh, it doesn't make any sense. 
but it just kind of happened. It was an evolution. <laughs> it was needed. It was created. That's how it always goes. And I was like, wow. It was just a different look on, uh, what's that phrase? Necessity is the mother of creation. Yeah. Just that idea of a need came up. Somebody created something for it. Now we're in a different place in history. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, just, and I, yeah, I'm curious about like what things look like before I was there, you know, before I yeah. was born or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, what's the middle school or elementary school now, it used to be the high school in my town. Um, in the year that I was born, oh no, well, two years before I was, whatever. Um, when the high, yeah, when the high school was there, um, kids rode horses to the football game. And I'm like, this is, how is this happening? Yeah, this is like, a, it's, <laughs> it's on two U.S. highways, the corner of two highways, right? Um, <laughs> and now you can imagine, you can ride a horse there, you get run over. But um, Absolutely. <laughs> and that happened within, within my lifetime, that happened. Um, there was a one-room wow. schoolhouse around the corner from my house okay. until like 1969 or something. You know, it's hot. I was born in 71. So there, that was a one room schoolhouse. Um, it's just, just looking at all these things and it's, it, talking about computers when I was probably when I was in kindergarten or whatever, my dad would bring home a teletype, which is like yeah. a typewriter that's connected to a telephone yep. that's connected to a computer in a different city <laughs> <laughs> that types out all the, everything on the screen. And then you type back and then it, you know, it, comes back to you and that's the first computer Old i used school and, text messaging you know <laughs> right <laughs> so that's crazy yeah and so all that stuff changed uh you know i saw like every part of the you know home computer history yeah um but yeah but those are the yeah. moments man and all they all come out of the curiosity they all come out of the problem solving they all come out of makers just like us yeah for sure all right i think that's probably a good place to wrap it up uh, almost an hour and yeah, we don't want to <laughs> bore people no too much with our crazy history. <laughs> I've um, got more stories. Now. <laughs> all right. Well, we can save, save, save one for the after show. Um, we're going to get there pretty soon. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to thank uh, the patrons for the show. Thank everybody who is supporting the show. They all get the after show. Nice. And my top patrons are Matt from Artigiano Serio. You probably know Matt. <laughs> yeah, of course. And Ed, Ed Johns, who's also yep. one of the Northeast guys, so you probably know him too. Um, you can f- support the show at patreon.com slash making problems to solve. You can check out the show on Instagram at making problems to solve. Uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, on YouTube is my probably your best bet. Uh, that's where most okay. of my content is under Burke Makes Stuff or on Instagram under Burke Makes Stuff. Or on Facebook under Burke Make Stuff, <laughs> or uh, okay. at a at a maker event near you. Come find me. Yeah, for sure. Like to yes, shake yes. a hand, swap <laughs> sticker. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. All right, thanks a lot for uh, for talking to me. Absolutely, my pleasure, Dave. Absolutely.